Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungle's closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your truthiest life. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. It's your host, Lisa Haim. In today's episode, I'm talking to you about the 12 biggest surprises that I found to be true in the postpartum experience. I get really vulnerable in this episode. Vulnerable is not an emotion that I sit with a lot. It's very comfortable for me to share my honest truths, even if they're things that a lot of other people find uncomfortable. But my final surprise in this episode, the last thing that I share is one of those that made me think to myself, should I share this or am I going to be judged? And the thing is, I am probably going to be judged, especially if you've never been there before, or maybe from people who have been there before. But I know that the best way to really shine light on shame is to talk about the things that make us feel possibly shameful. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to share my truths with you because I know it's going to help at least one person out there. And when we get through shame, anything that makes us feel shameful, we could really start to see things with better clarity. So as always, I'm giving it to you real. If you missed it, I did another episode on my postpartum experience, answering a lot of your questions. I gave the details on my physical and emotional recovery. I answered your questions on things like sex and really just went there with you all. So thank you for everybody who listened and supported that episode. I went ahead and made a postpartum essential blog post where you can find everything that I think a new mom needs after giving birth. I was totally unprepared for this part. So this was a lesson learned personally, and I hope that my guide can help another mom feel or be a little bit more prepared when she steps into the role of becoming a new mom and learning how to care for herself. Thank you so much for being here. Let's dive in. 
Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me again. In today's episode, I'm sharing the biggest surprises in postpartum. I've got baby Soli here with me, sleeping in a baby carrier. It's the only way that she'll really nap during the day. So hopefully she stays quiet and we can get through these 12 surprises in postpartum. Let's dive right in. Number one is how dependent and how much taking care of I would require. From the onset of labor immediately after two days and really weeks after I required so much TLC, so much help. I had to rely on others immediately after labor. My doula and my midwife were there. They were amazing to get up and go to the bathroom. I talked about that first P in the postpartum episode. If you missed that, head on back. And I guess I really expected you give birth, you go through something really dramatic, And then you kind of jump into action as a mom, as the caretaker, and you still have that duty to be the caretaker for the mom, but at the same time, you are going through a crazy physical recovery that I was completely taken aback with. I heard that I would need diapers and pads and all this stuff, but I really didn't understand what that meant. In a lot of cultures, they really recommend that you don't even leave your bed for seven days. In my life, that's just not possible, but I tried my best to really rest as much as I could, but that came at a really big mental frustration, not being able to get a glass of water for myself, needing to ask for so many things from Evan and from anyone who was around really frustrated me. I like to just get up and do things for myself and the dependency on others as helpful as everybody around me is and was just really took me by surprise. I was ready to just jump into that caretaker mode. And then here I was requiring so much help (laughs) to heal so that I could go on to be a better mom later on. And it was really an interesting thing because as you're healing, you don't get a break from the caretaking that you're also there to do. So you really jump into that mom role if you're physically breastfeeding a baby while also taking care of yourself, and then also asking for extra help. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing or, or a woman thing, but I don't really traditionally think of myself as someone that's afraid to ask for help. I don't have pride like that. But I guess because so much of my life prior to this has been in solitude, I grew up really doing things for myself, uh, working for myself. And, you know, Evan has a very busy job. I'm, I'm really my own caretaker, not being able to care for myself in the way that I like to be cared for was a huge frustration that really lasted weeks. Even to this day, you know, even carrying the baby around, I need to ask for help from a lot of people because I am just tapped out of my own resources or physically I'm tied up. I only have two hands. I had found it to be really, really, really just a big surprise how much caretaking I would require. Second surprise is you don't get your physical body back after pregnancy. And you're probably thinking, yeah, duh, that takes weeks or months or whatever. But that's actually not what I mean at all. When I say get your body back, I'm not referring to your physical body, your physique. I'm not referring to your abs or your gene size. What I mean is postpartum, your body doesn't belong to you anymore. It's attached to the baby a lot of the hours of the day via breastfeeding. And, you know, for nine months, I carried a baby and then I birthed the baby and I thought, okay, now my body will be mine again. I'll get to go back to eating the foods that I like and doing the skincare treatments and things that I like to use. But in fact, I'm even more cautious when it comes to food and products now that I'm breastfeeding. And physically, I have absolutely no personal space. My body 
became something that functions for somebody else. And even though that's like the coolest thing ever that I've kept her alive with just my breast milk, it also means that I serve a very different function that I never had before. And I am in use in its highest function a lot of the time. The other day, Evan came around to give me a kiss while I was breastfeeding. And I had like a visceral negative reaction to just push him away. And trust me, I need and I want the intimacy and softness that he was providing for me. But it was just like, somebody just stop touching me. Like, I'm so tired of everybody touching me. Which part of my body belongs to me anymore? And most moments are not like that. Most moments I'm, you know, happy to be breastfeeding and wow, this is amazing and and. I welcome Evan giving me a hug and a kiss, but there are certainly moments where I just am like, wow, this body isn't mine anymore. It is here to do something, which is both wonderful, but also really draining and most definitely just surprising. And when it comes to food, I just think this is really interesting. If you didn't listen to my postpartum episode, I'm even more conscious with what I'm eating now than I was in pregnancy because I'm providing the nutrition for her. And because so much of what I eat can affect her possibly negatively. So in pregnancy, I I ate pretty much close to how I normally eat. Here, I'm constantly getting feedback about what's working for her gas-wise and digestive-wise. And if something's not working, I have to pivot a little bit and figure it out. So I feel a bit more restricted here than I did there, which is just... Again, another huge surprise where I thought I'd get my life back. She'd go her way. I'd go my way. Yes, I'd take care of her, but that's certainly not the case. We are tied together every step of the way. And all of the thoughts about what I put into my body or on my body, I'm thinking about her. The third surprise is about women who have really let me down. These have been some strangers, some friends, And it applies specifically to women who have birthed their own children before. I feel that bounce back culture has really robbed us women of true connection to each other. After a woman gives birth, the focus is on her body and how she looks and how she feels. And it's very normalized to compliment somebody. You look great. You look, you know, wonderful. Did you even have a baby? These are all comments that I've experienced as a thin person. And I know that comes with privilege and not everybody has experienced just this. But nonetheless, I think that the conversations have really missed the mark because it seems like a nice thing to comment on the way somebody looks. But for me, what I've noticed is it really fails to make a woman feel seen. When someone says, oh, you look amazing. You know, how are you doing it all? You're super mom, you know, things like that. They all come off really great on the surface, but it leaves me to just say, oh, thanks. You know, it doesn't open up conversation and it makes me feel kind of lonely that these postpartum feelings are me being broken, which I know that they're not. But the other day we were out east for the weekend in the Hamptons and this older woman, probably 75 or so, walked over to Evan and I and she peeked into the stroller and she said, wow, she's so beautiful. And then she looked at me and she goes, and how are you doing? And she made eye contact with me and she paused in a way that made such a significant impact in my life. I said, oh, you know, (laughs) getting through it. You know, didn't sit there and let her know every color and every emotion that I've gone through, but it provided an opportunity for her to see me and me to see her and feel that connection as a tribe of women of, I get it, I've been there, you'll get through it. And so much was said without actually being said. I think that the bounce back culture has really robbed us of the fact that we should look tired. We shouldn't look back to normal. Yes, we want to say things like, wow, did you even have a baby or you look great? But at the end of the day, how we look is 
also a way that we non-verbally communicate to people how we're doing. So looking tired, not having your hair done, not wearing makeup, wearing two different socks <laughs> is actually a signal to people that you are tired and that you may need help. But I think our obsession with looking really perfect all of the time and getting back to how we were has really taken away from what happened and how us women can show up for each other. So I feel like in sharing this, I'm going to get a lot of comments from people that I know personally being like, I'm sorry if I, if I didn't ask you how you are. There's not one person that comes to mind that says, oh, I wish that you didn't say that. But just it's generally something that I've noticed. And I think us women can do a better job holding space for each other. The far and few in between comments that I have gotten that have just said things like, oh, you know, you're in the darkest part. It'll get better. Or how are you? Or I know it's hard, but you can do this. Those little comments that I've received from people that have nothing to do with how I look or anything like that have really just made such an impact on my life positively. And I think us women can really, really, really reject what's been taught to us to say to really stand up for each other in these small but meaningful ways. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Need an easy button to feed your baby? Baby Bretza's Formula Pro Advanced makes a perfectly mixed warm formula bottle automatically at the push of a button. No air bubbles, no fuss. Literally, choose your temp, select your ounces, push start, and you're done. Works with virtually all formulas and bottles. Say goodbye to the 3 a.m. feeding chaos and hello to this revolutionary, stress-free solution. Raising a baby is hard enough. Let Baby Bretza make feeding a breeze. Get your Formula Pro Advanced at babybretza.com. The fourth surprise comes from the fact that I am really drawn to other women during this time. I really love to talk to my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my mom, anyone of my friends who have older kids, and also, by the way, women that haven't had kids. It just feels like such a time that I want to be surrounded by women. And I don't think of myself as a girl's girl, but leaning on that female energy, a lot of which is soft or just holds space for me in a different way, has just been huge. And all of this just really confirms why they say it takes a village. You know, we live a modern life, but prior to this, raising a child was done by a village of women and women helped each other. And I'm so grateful. I know I haven't been able to accept a lot of hands-on assistance because of COVID, but I'm so grateful for the emotional support that I have received from my friends, again, of all different life phases, many of which who are not even moms themselves. 
Interestingly enough, though, in pregnancy, other moms' advice oftentimes felt like it really missed the mark. Oftentimes it felt aggressive and just like bad energy. A lot of moms will say things like, oh, you know, if you're tired now, why don't you wait till your pregnancy? Or, oh, you just wait. And surprisingly, in postpartum, the energy has felt collectively supportive by other women. And I welcome the advice that I've gotten. Doesn't mean that I'll take every piece of advice that anybody has thrown at me, but I'm really, 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 really grateful for anybody that, you know, says, oh, if your baby's crying, try this. If your baby won't do this, try this. This worked for my baby, maybe give it a try. And it's really just an interesting transition from pregnancy where it felt like, women weren't collectively the most supportive into postpartum where they really have showed up for me. And I don't really know what that's about, but I thought it was worth mentioning. I'll also just tie into this surprise is that I have felt a frustration towards men who don't get it. I think a lot of men know the phrase postpartum, postpartum depression. They know that women go through hormones, but it almost feels like they kind of digest it the same way they know about a woman having PMS. Like, oh, you're, you're just having PMS. You'll get over it. Oh, you're just postpartum. You know, you'll get through it. And it's not to say that I'm angry at men in general, but it feels really frustrating, especially men in my life who have their own children, to not really understand the magnitude of what this takes from a woman and the huge shift that happens and, and they undergo. And again, it's not, a, it's not an anger towards men, but this is an honest podcast here and I want to be honest that I've just experienced frustration towards men and really gravitated towards women during this time. The fifth surprise is around the topic of alcohol and the lack of caution that we're given to go back to it. Most of you know that it's strongly advised to not drink during pregnancy, but I don't really hear that type of caution around alcohol after pregnancy. And obviously that's because the alcohol that you consume is not going to affect a baby that's no longer in your belly. But take breastfeeding out of the equation where, you know, some people say you can drink alcohol, some you can't. My entire life, I have had alcohol normalized around the topic of after giving birth. All of my friends, my family, you know, one of the first things they do is, oh, you can drink again. Or I've, I've really witnessed it many times, people returning to alcohol without really thinking twice. And I think that having now a few weeks of this under my belt, I'm completely shocked that we're not talking about the effects of alcohol on the nervous system and how it acts as a depressant and can negatively impact our state of mind. I was really surprised to not find myself wanting a glass of wine the day after or the day after or sitting down for a nice meal and saying to Evan, oh, can you get that nice bottle of wine? I, and I guess that's because we never really had an opportunity to have a nice meal and sit down with a bottle of wine. But really, I think my relationship to alcohol has become a lot more conscious over the last few years, and it has served me tremendously. I don't just have a glass of wine just because it's dinner time. I really check in with myself and say, okay, what's going on? Do you want a glass of wine? And if you do, why do you want it? And that why do you want it really changes what happens next. If the why do you want it, oh, you're so stressed, I need a good night's sleep, this wine will take the edge off, that is not a good reason for me to have a glass of wine. If the answer is, I think it will elevate the meal and I feel like I'm in high spirits, I'm going to maybe have a glass of wine. But because I take that mindful moment to check in with myself, I am oftentimes drinking for the quote unquote right reasons. This is not an encouragement to ever drink, but rather just explaining my relationship to it and my thankfulness that I established this relationship to it because I know hands down the worst thing 
that I could have done, which I didn't in month one or so, was to use alcohol to take the edge off, to sleep, all of that. As mentioned in the postpartum episode, my feelings of anxiety and depression would have only worsened, even if they, for the short term, were made better just for a night. I know that alcohol although might help me fall asleep in theory, leads to poorer quality of sleep. And these were things that I just wasn't willing to sacrifice. Being a new mom is the most full-time job of all time. You don't go to sleep and then wake up the next day. You go to sleep, and if you're lucky, you wake up three hours later, only to wake up another three hours later to feed the baby to change the diaper, all of that. I just know that I couldn't afford to mess with my mental health and be any less there than I was. And again, I think that's just a conversation that maybe medical professionals can kind of begin to have with their patients as they're leaving pregnancy. I think, again, that focus is always on keeping the baby safe, and we need to think about how to keep the mom safe. And while that's not exactly the role of doctors or specifically OBGYNs, who is looking after? After mom and putting these thoughts in her head to be cautious and monitor her mental health and her relationship to substances, especially during such a tumultuous time when you're looking for any sort of relief in your life. As always, I like to talk about alcohol in a way that a lot of people aren't. I think it's way too normalized as a culture to drink when we're sad or stressed and really want to always be flagging that. I think it's been incredibly helpful to me and I'm really grateful for my relationship to alcohol in the present day that I didn't allow it to serve as a vice for me during a time where I was pretty desperate for a vice. Sixth surprise is around the lack of education we get on breastfeeding. Prior to pregnancy, we are encouraged to breastfeed. I didn't have a hospital birth, so I can't speak exactly about the education that exists in a hospital. But from what I hear from my friends, it's pretty limited to none. And I think that given how big the push is for women to breastfeed, there's very little education on what it actually entails. I will say that I think there is a level of instinctuality, which is wonderful. I don't think many people lean into that, but if you are able to, the baby kind of naturally knows how to latch and mom knows how to hold her more than a lot of people think. But take that aside, there's still a ton of minutia and things you need to figure out and troubleshooting that women need to go through. And that's if you're just doing direct breastfeeding from the breast add in pumping and um, going back to work and learning how to keep milk safe at the right temperatures and keep it exposed to air for a certain amount of time. There's so much to learn and nobody there to help you figure it out. Like I said, those appointments with the OBGYN, they're all about the baby, but nobody is there to offer mom any help. Of course, there are lactation consultants, but that is, you know, an added fee. I don't believe that's covered by insurance. I could be wrong, but that's another resource of help that many women need to get and maybe don't know to get or can't afford to get. So I think that that is just a huge surprise. And I was just shocked at how much I underestimated how demanding breastfeeding is. It was something I always wanted to do and I thought that I could do it. And while I am doing it, I am just... Wow, I had no idea it was this much at all times. I talked a lot more about breastfeeding in the postpartum episode, but I mean, again, you're physically attached to your baby. You're doing it every two to three hours. While you're doing it, it takes an hour. You can't do anything else. And then as soon as you're done breastfeeding, you're on that timer, that limited window to go try and do anything else that you have to get done before the baby's back on your boob again. And that is something that I just did not expect would be so intense and demanding. 
So just a little fun fact to add to this conversation. One thing that I learned from breastfeeding is that nipples actually have multiple holes. So I thought that the milk comes out just like one stream, but there's actually lots of little holes that it comes out of. Wish I knew that given that I've lived in this body for 33 years. And yet it came at a huge shocker to see the actual anatomy of something that has been with me this whole time. Also fun fact, my boobs, the physical boobies came in after pregnancy. A lot of people talk about having big boobs in pregnancy. I didn't have any of that, but the second I gave birth and the milk started to come in, now I've got these jugs to the point where my bras don't even fit me anymore. So that was just a huge surprise and not something that I realized could happen. And some people are like, oh, do you love... Hi, Soli. Sorry. Some people have asked me if I love my postpartum boobs. And the truth is, not really. They don't feel like I want to go out and, you know, take these to the street. Oftentimes they feel too big and not like mine. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Since every minute counts when you're a new parent, who wants to waste time washing bottles? Transform this daily chore with the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro, the first machine that automatically washes, sterilizes, and dries bottles, pump parts, and sippy cups at the push of a button. Its 20 spray jets clean everything 100%. Plus, it sterilizes with steam, then dries with germ-free air. Don't waste time on tedious hand washing. Let the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro do it for you. Shop now at babybretza.com. Surprise number seven. You will do all the things you say that you won't do, all the things that you judge others for, and that's totally okay. This is all about survival. Being a first-time parent, having a newborn baby, you don't know what you're doing, and you will do anything to try and figure it out, from using a pacifier to introducing formula perhaps earlier than you thought. There's no right way to do any of this, and I encourage you, and I hope you hear me in your mind at all times, to know that it's about survival and you doing your best. Surprise number eight is how close yet how far from your partner you can feel at the same time. I talked a lot about this in the postpartum episode. I brought the concept of duality and being so in love yet so frustrated at the same time in your partner. But what I want to mention here is that now that I'm two months postpartum and Evan's back to work full time and lives have seemingly gone back to normal in many ways, <laughs> not at all, but you know, on the outside, it's so interesting to be living such different realities from each other. When Evan comes home and he starts talking about work, oftentimes I'm frustrated in, in two ways because it feels like, hey, do you not understand like what I'm going through? And also there's a little bit of like, how is your mind thinking about anything else other than the baby at all times? 
And we were thrown into this in a sense of, I didn't expect our realities to be so different. Of course, we were bringing this baby into the world and I knew Evan would go back to work, but I didn't expect for, I guess, you know, my brain to just be fully consumed by her at all times. And then I didn't expect his to even be able to go back to work in many ways. I thought when he could come home, he'd, you know, just be all about the baby and have the same responses to every cue that she has. But he really doesn't. Biologically, I'm mom and he's dad and we're going through different things. And so there's a feeling of disconnection a lot of times. And then there's also this feeling of intense connection. A lot of the times we can go from crying over how beautiful she is to arguing about missing each other, you know, in three seconds and then back and forth a lot. So I just think that it's really interesting how close and how far you can feel at the same time. And the oscillation between those two feelings during this state. Surprise number nine how much I would actually want my family around in the early days. A lot of people gave me advice to really keep things quiet for the first week or two, not let anybody in, really take time to just be with your baby and adjust to new normal. That sounded amazing to me. I'm an empath. I'm very sensitive to energy. Family can bring disruptive energy at times. And I wanted to just close the doors and have that time, I thought. But as soon as I had her... I really felt differently. I wanted her to see her grandma and grandpa and uncle and aunts and cousins and and share the love. And COVID only adds a weird time to it all and mask wearing and still just this huge fear at all times that I'm being too loosey-goosey with it all. But I just want to share that there is no right way to do it. And a lot of the things that you think you might want immediately after might change. And it's super important, I think, to lean into what actually is rather than what you said that you would do. And yeah, just continuously remove the ego so that you can lean into love and the goodness of what life has to offer. These moments are so precious with her as a newborn baby and seeing her with her cousins have been just the most amazing moments of, I think, all of our lives. Surprise number 10, This one is about keeping her safe and the difficulty in knowing which choice will keep her safe. I've always said that I'll only have a baby when I feel ready and ready to me meant willing to do whatever it takes to keep her safe and happy. But the surprise here is knowing which choice is the safe choice and oftentimes feeling like I'm making that choice, but kind of crossing my fingers that it's the right one. I never thought it would be so hard to figure out what's actually best and obviously parent hood and life comes with no instruction manual and you just feel a huge sense of peril every time you make a choice big or small and hope that it's the best one I guess you know I'm not really a control freak I've never been a control freak but there's a level of me of wanting to control everything so that I can keep her safe and I'm surprised at how hard that good choice is to make we always know we're supposed to take the good choice but What's the good choice, especially in this freaking weird COVID world where we're living an upside down world and who knows which is our left foot and our right foot. (sighs) It's just a hard time, you know, and I don't expect that as she gets older, it will get any easier. I think being a parent just really changes a lot of your thought processes and wires you a bit differently, which takes me into my surprise number 11. 
I know Evan would probably say I'm quite a carefree person and I've definitely worked to enjoy life and be present and and I wouldn't call it carefree, but really enjoy presence in a different way. And I don't know, there's a level of me that feels like I said goodbye to a carefree life forever. As a parent, I don't think you go to sleep not worrying about your children really ever. For me, I, I finally feel like I'm an adult, not that I felt like a kid before, but your late 20s, early 30s, it's kind of hard to believe that you're really adulting. It's not to say that it takes having a kid to be like, wow, I'm actually an adult. I'm sure there are plenty of people without kids that feel like an adult. But for me, all of a sudden, I feel like this responsibility of having a human being really makes me feel like an adult 100% of the time. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to have moments where I'm being silly and dancing and hopefully rolling down hills and, you know, being the quote unquote carefree version of me, as Evan would call it. But it just means that there is a big change with a new level of responsibility. And my brain is always circling around this child. And I don't foresee that going anywhere anytime soon. I have something to protect and That doesn't mean that the love doesn't supersede the worry or that I won't have those moments of just pure joy again in my life. But I do accept that I had a child and I have this level of responsibility and I hope to figure out the place where I can mentally think about her and do what's best and protect her without worrying for no reason. That's really the goal because as we all know, we can certainly waste our worries and that's not something I'm looking to do in this lifetime. Number 12, the final one. This one is a super vulnerable one, and it is one that is going to make me feel very exposed at the fear of being judged, and I'm sure I will be judged, but I also know that by owning it, there will be some of you out here who just totally get it. And like I've mentioned, I'll just to frame this a little bit, it's been a weird time with Evan and I. We had a huge flood in our house as well, which has just really made this transition into parenthood that much harder. It happened on day six. I'm experiencing a lot of trauma from it. And one of the things that I'm surprised at is a little bit of jealousy over my daughter. And jealousy is not the right word, but I'm going to use it here. And when Evan looks at her, there's this pure sense of just love and adoration and no strings attached, right? And it's beautiful. And I love that he has that for her the way I have it for her. But, you know, it also wish that we could have that easy type of love again. We've been together for seven years. We have a life together. We've gone through really grave things together, which is wonderful and has deepened our bond. But it also means that when we look at each other, there's moments of just pure love and adoration that we had for each other, you know, during year one, when things are just kind of surface level, they're far and few in between. And I miss that type of a love. To see that pure love and see them be so present with each other without having to go through the to-do list of what you have to get done in the house that day or what conversations need to be had so that blah, 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 blah happens. It just, you know, it makes me miss that, that easy love, I guess is the best way to put it. I don't know if I accurately depicted the feeling that I have or had that morning when I saw how pure and beautiful their love is for each other. And again, there's that duality where I loved it, but I also felt, wait, I want to be in on it. But I also know that men or partners who don't birth the child may also feel a bit of, oh, what about me when a baby enters the scene? I've had male friends in my life share with me that 
all of a sudden they kind of resent their new baby because all the focus from their partner that used to go to them now goes towards the baby. And these are not conversations that people really want to have because it comes with feelings of shame and embarrassment. But I think if we have them, we can talk through them and we could say, okay, this is normal, normal to feel that way. And you could also get to what's underlying it, right? Like I started using the word jealousy, but I'm not actually jealous of my daughter. What it is, is I miss the pure love and the ease of what used to be when life was simply simpler. And by recognizing that's what it is, I also have an opportunity to recreate that with Evan by communicating, wow, I missed this. Can we carve this out? Can we do something romantic at some point where we just put everything aside that is quote unquote important, that has to do with the house rebuilding, that has to do with our families, that has to do with work. Can we just put it all aside for one night and just be? And it's only because I removed the shame, I allowed myself to kind of work through it mentally that I'm sharing it on here. Can I really see that what I'm looking for is a deep, pure connection? And now I can verbalize that and hopefully create it in some moments. Doesn't mean we also won't have the serious convos that we need to have, but we can create some of that lightness and allow it to come back into our life. No, we can invite it. We can cultivate it together because of that conscious awareness, because I didn't let shame swallow me whole. Those are the 12 biggest surprises in postpartum. This was a really fun episode for me to record and share with you all. As always, thank you for helping me live my truthiest life and for you living yours. And I'll see you next week right here. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.